0: Welcome to – hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we continue our pre-tournament coverage of the 2021 U.S. Open with a conversation on the state of American women's tennis entering the action in New York now. There are currently 16 American women in the top 100 of the WTA singles rankings. Of course, two of them, most notably Serena Williams and Sonia Kennan. Out of the action in New York, Serena continuing to nurse her injury. Sonia Kennan, unfortunately, testing positive for COVID-19, forced to withdraw from the event due to that fact. But look- respectfully, even without those two, the depth in American women's tennis right now is its calling card, whether it's Australian Open finalist Jennifer Brady, whether it's rising superstar, yes, superstar Coco Gauff, whether it's the emergence of someone like a Jessica Pegula, the continued flashing of the m- tremendous upside of a Danielle Collins, the m- multiple young players, Anne Lees of the world, Amanda Mova's of the world, Haley Baptiste and Katie McNally's of the world, and then, of course, the Steve. Stevens, Keys, Rogers generation of players. Everywhere you look right now, there's talent across the board in American women's tennis. We want to talk about all of that talent, help tier the levels of talent, help make sense of it all on today's show. So you know the players to watch out for heading into New York and, of course, joining me on the show to do just that is a returning champion here, Crack Rackets contributor David Gertler. We break down all aspects of the state of American women's tennis. We discuss the impact of Serena Venus withdrawing from this event. We talk about Sonia Kennan's future moving forward after, obviously, unequivocal steps forward in 2019 and 2020. Where does she go after this 2021 season? How likely is it to refer? her to return to that 2020 form of course we also talk about who's the best american women in the game right now the depth of the field how many american women can make the second week at the u.s open it is a fantastic conversation That I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to that conversation, I have to remind all of you quickly that the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out here at Cracked Rackets is because of the support we get from all of you, because of the support we get from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get. From our friends over at Turner Tennis, you all know the deal. Contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to join the Turner family today. Obviously, you'll be getting the best grip in the business. Obviously, you'll be getting a grip that only gets tackier when you sweat. It's performance in hot and humid conditions thoroughly unmatched. But, of course, if you mention Crack Rackets sent you, they'll hook you up with discounted pricing, uh, treat you like family as well, hook you up with free samples. So, again, contact sales at uniquesports.com sports.com or call 800-554-3707 with all of that set let's get to today's preview podcast talking state of american women's tennis with the one and only david gertler Joining us on the podcast today to discuss the state of American women's tennis entering the 2021 U.S. Open. You know him as a returning champion here on our Crack Rackets shows. He is a writer for our website, CrackRackets.com. For last word on tennis, he also writes his all about tennis blog. Of course, you know him on Twitter as Blogger one I know him as my friend David Gertler. David, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Well, I'll tell you why. First off, thanks for having me. But second off, I am really regretting giving my BB bucks to Sarah Beth. <laughs> I am really... Upset, I gave Sarah Beth my BB box. Did you send in BB box to anyone?
0: So I did not. I don't think Super Producer Daniel Westhoff did either. But I will say we watched the episode last night. Of course, you are referring to Big Brother, the television show. If those of you don't watch, I'm not a big reality TV guy. Big Brother has me hooked. I am in. It is fascinating, and I can't believe – the best was how Derek Axe knew, like, the moment – he's like, I'm getting backdoored. He's like, it is over for me. And even yeah. um, even Claire was like, oh, man, Derek's going to get backdoored. It's over for me too. And as smart as Claire is, that she hasn't figured out the alliance uh, between – what is it? The cookout. That she hasn't figured out the cookout yet. Like, how do you not see it? I, I just – I know we're watching from afar, but it's so obvious. I mean, I get it because I would, if I were them,
1: I would probably keep my mouth shut too.
0: It's amazing, like it is amazing that that alliance has managed to stay under the wraps as well. Again, it's they, it, they've played, the Cookouts played a really good season.
1: Yeah, and when Derek X was given his diary room last night, I, when he was crying, and I just I almost felt myself tearing up a little bit. I felt so bad for him, but you know what? He dug his own grave by not playing uh, the roulette. So. Anyways.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Again, that—that's. I'm good to hear though that you're doing well. And yeah, Sarah Beth is going to win villain of the season. Like, there is no doubt about that. Anyways, that is not (laughs) the theme of today's podcast. As you mentioned, we've had dogs barking, we've had Big Brother talk, but why we wanted to have you on the show to discuss the state of American women's tennis entering the 2021 U.S. Open, of course. It's a really, really interesting time on both tours. I think it's safe to say this is the first Grand Slam now. No Serena, no Venus, no Rafa, no Federer. All right,
1: hold on a second. I guess we can start right there. Uh, Let's be honest here. Okay, let's just be completely honest. I said this on Twitter. um, Is Venus not playing make any difference in the tournament besides one match
0: where there'll be maybe a bigger crowd? No, but it makes a symbolic difference. I agree with you. From a tennis standpoint, it does not make a difference. But from a symbol standpoint, the fact that it is a new era... That the, the players of the 2000s and the early 2010s, they're just phased out of the game. At this point, and we do see in particular, obviously, on the women's side, those new faces have emerged already in Osaka and Bardi and in Jurescu and Shviontek and Sabalenka. The list can go on and on and on. And, you know, obviously, on the men's side, I think we have a new hierarchy emerging. And I talked about this on our Top 5 Contenders preview show with Gil Gross, so I'll save the full rant uh, for there if you want to hear it. But, you know, I think it's—there there were a lot of jokes over the past couple of days, and after Western Southern semifinals in particular, when it was Rublev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, and Medvedev, and uh, they, people were calling it the small four. I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I don't think you can include Andre Rublev and not include Matteo Berrettini. Like, I, I don't yeah. think those two players are on different calibers, different tiers in terms of their accomplishments. You know, Case in point, Berrettini's made a slam final. Rublev has not, even if Rublev week in, week out, has been or had the better results, but... The point is, I think it's a key three. Like, I, I think that's where we're at in, in the new hierarchy. There's a key three. It's Virev, it's Medvedev, it's Tsitsipas. Well,
1: what about team?
0: Well, Dominic Team's in his own plane, right? So he's kind yeah. of in a generation on his own. And I, maybe Corino Boost is in that generation, but he's just obviously a caliber lower as a player. But you have moving forward the key three. Then you've got, I call them the usurpers in Sinner, FAA, you know, Brooksby, Nakashima, those sort of
1: next next.
0: Shabamalad? I think he's – I don't think he's – I think he's just part of a, a different – I think he's the part of the ecosystem. I think he's going to be really good for a really long time. He's not one of the key three. He's not one of the usurpers. He's going to be good, but I don't think he's on that tier of player. Now, I do think he's part of the broader hierarchy and that you mentioned him or you know Root is going to make the year-end finals. You can lock that in right now. It's going to happen, David. He belongs – he's a top 10 guy, top 15 guy for sure right now. Um, I just think – a new class of player has emerged on both the and men's and FAA women's. Are... There before? Well, I think they're both in that tier. Okay. Fa is just younger than Shapovalov. Again, he's okay. a 2000 or later. So I consider him a sort of different class of player. Again, one of the usurpers, the next gen 2.0s. We did a full series on that this past <laughs> off season. Yeah. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that fact that there's no Roger, no Rafa, no Serena, no Venus that is emblematic of the generational shift Mm -hmm. we've seen happening all year long. I guess that is my broader point there, David. And I'm curious, do you agree with that?
1: Um, it's certainly, uh, yes, I do agree with that. Uh, it's definitely sad. Uh, but I guess I've been having, yeah, I've had some time to mentally prepare for it. It's not like sudden in terms of the fact that it's better. Hasn't been the same since 2019 Wimbledon, uh, Nadal, look kind of defeated by the end of his uh, Djokovic match at Roland Garros. Uh, Serena hasn't, you know, Serena's still making good results, but she's been on the decline for a little bit relative to where she was. And Venus since 2018 has been a mess. So uh, I guess for me, it's definitely sad to see them all not playing, but I'm also excited because I love watching Medvedev. I, I love watching uh, players like Andreescu. Um I and uh, you know watching you know Tsitsipas and Zverev have that uh, war in Cincinnati in the uh, semifinals. That was that was fascinating to me.
0: No, that's the thing is it's good tennis now. When these next genders match up, I mean, case in point, that semifinal round: Rublev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, both three set matches, both good matches. That was a fun day of tennis, maybe the best day from start to finish of men's tennis we've had on the season. I I would, again, the reason I bring this up is I think when you talk about the state of American women's tennis, and this is how we can get into it, the fact that Serena and Venus, and I think right now there are 16 American women in the top 100 of the WTA singles rankings, that's freaking impressive. That's really, really good stuff and we'll get into the depth and we'll talk about why it should be a really exciting decade for the American women throughout the course of this podcast. But you start with Serena – well, let's start with Venus quickly because you kind of made this point as a throwaway and I think it is worth mentioning you look for Venus Williams and again – Venus Williams is one of the game's greatest stars. What she has done, not just for women's tennis, but for women's athletics, for the empowerment of women in general, it can't be measured. It can't be quantified. What she means to the sport will always just mean something even more than her results, which is saying something, by the way, because her results have been historic in terms of accomplishments in WTA history. She's 3-12 in her last 52 weeks, David. You look for her 2021, 3-9 overall. She was 1-8 in the 2020 season. I know you said it as a throwaway, and I know you didn't mean it as harshly as it may have come off to some of the listeners. But of course it's worth mentioning, and I don't think anyone is arguing this, but just in case they are, she's number 147 in the world, needed a wild card. From a relevance to the major results in the WTA Tour – that era for Venus Williams is over. She is not yeah. going to be winning another WTA title on W uh, on tour. If she does, or at least another singles title, I should say, if she does, we're talking about an all time historic accomplishment. By the way, she's forty one years old. Like should we be, should we be expecting her to? No, it's just great to see her in matches. So give her as many wild cards as she wants because she puts butts in the seats. But I agree with your comments. Is what I'm trying to say.
1: I don't think she's making another tournament uh quarterfinal to be honest i mean i think i mean i, and I know it sounds harsh but i'm just being honest i don't see her game is it's not it's top 300 it's not even top 200 i would say
0: at yeah. this point well again it, it on the right day if she serves well I think she can win a match. I think she can do it two days in a row because she still has flashes. There are five to ten minutes where you're like, that's very good. That's top 100 tennis, absolutely. But Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. From a match-in, match-out standpoint, especially with the consistency, the youth movement that's happening in the WTA 500, the physicality of the sport now, it's unfair for us to expect Venus Williams, by the way, to continue to be able to compete at that level. But objectively, yeah. it's safe to say, yes, I agree with you. She's going to need wild cards to play the big events moving forward.
1: And I mean, she, yeah, and you're right. It, she's 41 years old. Like, <laughs> it, yeah. We shouldn't expect her to be going deep in tournaments anymore. That's, you know, at 41, most people are, uh, you know, when, when they play tennis for an hour, my uncles are 41. We play <laughs> tennis for an hour. My, my back and is, you know, this and that, his knee, I, you know.
0: So, um I agree with you yeah it, it's it's fair to say now, the flip side, Serena withdraws from this event. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just some numbers for you from Serena Williams. And, you know, I like to do my top 10, top 15, top 20, 25 clubs via the tennis abstract rankings, hold and break percentage. Serena Williams is currently one of eight players to rank in the top 20 in both hold and break percentage. Now, she's right on the fringes in terms of break percentage. I believe she's 19th overall. You look at her break percentage this season. I believe it is currently at 40% in 2021, but you look for her over her last 52, which is what the metric uses, her break percentage, uh, a little bit lower than that, high 30s. It's not the same as she was in her prime. Same, by the way, her hold percentage is the big thing that has dropped this season. You look for Serena Williams. She's holding 75.9% of the time. That would be her lowest stat since about 2000, uh, since about, excuse me, the 1998 range. That was the start of her career. Like, all of this is to say... I think Serena Williams is still good. Like, she's still absolutely—the fact that she's a top-20 club member, it speaks that when she plays her best tennis, she can absolutely still beat the best in the best. But it's much more difficult for her now to replicate that same tennis seven matches in a row at a Grand Slam. And again, with how good so many of these young players are, the ceiling has been raised. She needs to play her best tennis at least four of the seven matches to get into Mm -hmm. the winner's circle— And I don't know if she's capable of doing that anymore. And by the way, again, you look for Serena. I know she's felt like she's been 26 forever. Serena uh, turns 40 in September, David. Like, exactly. At a certain point, it's not unfair for these athletes to begin to decline. And it's safe to say, again, while Serena's decline is still really freaking good, the rest of the field is caught up. And so, like, I I guess when I – Big circle here. She withdraws from this event. How significant is that to you?
1: Definitely significant. I want to first say the hold percentage, how much is that, though, because it could be skewed because she didn't have a grass season where typically there's more holds. Um,
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. At the same time, though, you saw Roland Garros. You saw her entire clay court season. Her serve struggled in a way it hadn't before.
1: If, for me the biggest thing with serena and i might have mentioned this before um, is how her footwork has declined as mm-hmm. she's gotten older um, and i don't know if you've met, if you've noticed that too but she back when she, back in 2012 2013 she had some of the best footwork on terror. and now it seems like she's sometimes uh, what, what's the uh, snatching at her forehand and backhand she's just lower energy levels and that's i guess normal when you get older but um it's striking when you see how good she once was
0: yeah no i i guess here's how i'll weigh it to you who who was more likely because we should talk about this as well when we talk about notable americans to have withdrawn who was more likely to have won or have done significant damage at this u.s open serena williams or sonia kennan
1: oh man that's a tough one. I would say because I would say Serena.
0: I don't disagree with you. At the same time, the th- part two of that question: Are either of those two the American you would have selected to go deepest at this event?
1: No, neither. Uh, well, well, hold on. Actually, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, I would. Uh, well, it depends on the draw. I don't. When I was, I would. Depends on the draw. I'll say. I'll.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're weighing this question. I like that. No, it's – look, it's tough to say and, you know, again, all of this is to say why I bring this up and why we're starting with Serena. Is she the best American woman in American women's tennis right now? I don't know that you can answer that question yes. And this is the first time in probably two decades that one can say that. And I mean I know Lindsay Davenport was really, really good for a hot stretch there early 2000s and obviously – There's a little Capriati mixed in there as well. There have been plenty of good Americans over the course of that time. But Serena has been the one, and she's been the one throughout the course of her entire career. And God love her. She has held that burden better than you could ask any person to do it in history. She, again, deserves to go out on her terms. But that that she might not even be the best American in women's tennis anymore, I think that speaks volumes to the depth right now in American women's tennis and the state of where we are at entering the 2020s. I know the post serena era is going to be weird, but we are well-equipped for it. Uh, And I just think there are going to be so many different players who have bites at the apple, whether it's not only to compete for Grand Slam titles, but just week in, week out, to make quarterfinal, semifinal, final runs, to just, you know, remind everyone that American tennis can be elite, particularly on the women's side. Obviously, that conversation would have started with Sonia Kennan entering this season. But you look for Kennan, respectfully. It's been a year from hell for her. Yeah. And let's just quickly, before we move on to the rest of the field, the depth right now in the sport, talk about Sonia Kennan. She's 11-10. and 10 in 2021 she made quarterfinals in Abu Dhabi since then quarterfinals her first two events of the year hasn't made it further than the round of 16 at Roland Garros in or the round of 16 at any other event you know yes she beat Pagula in three sets at Roland Garros she beat Ostapenko three sets first round there those are two really good wins and what has otherwise been a strange season now again looking at the names two losses to Sakari a loss to Krechikova, a loss to Kanteve, a loss to Jabour. you know, even the losses to Kenepi and Muguruza who were playing so well in the first two months of the season. I don't think those are bad losses. They've just kind of piled up for Sonia Kennan. She's just been fine this year. And after a 2020 where she was exceptional, I mean, I know health's been an issue. Obviously, she's made some coaching changes as well here. She tests positive for COVID. That's why she's out of New York. And, of course, we are all wishing her a safe, speedy recovery from that. Where are you at with Sonia Kennan after seeing this 2021? Do you think 2020 was an outlier season or do we think – do you think she gets closer to that? You know, was it – 2019, she was really good. She won three titles, the big win over Serena at the French Open, made a bunch of deep, you know, second weeks at slams. She was a top 15, borderline top 10 player in 2019. In 2020, she was one of the five best in the sport. Is she Mm -hmm. more 2019 Kennan moving forward or do you think she can get back to 2020 Kennan?
1: Um, I would say that she – I would say that she is – it's so hard to say because she did – She it was a year from hell, I think, is how you used to phrase yeah. that appendicitis and then COVID. It's it, it's hard to say, but I think that she's more – I can see her top 10, top 15. Do I think she wins another major? No. Um, I, I just – I was especially, I mean, like her making the Roland Garris final is honestly more surprising to me than her winning the Australian Open because I I didn't necessarily think that her game adapts too well to Clay. um, And I don't think it will in the future. I think I see her more as a hardcore player. um, But, but, uh, you know, with Kennan, she's already had, I I would say, probably somewhere in between um, what we said. I mean, Again, with everything that's happened this year, it's hard to say I shall recover, so it's hard for me to give an answer.
0: Yeah, the thing that's been a nightmare for her this season is the serve. She's holding sixty-four point four percent of the time. That's the lowest number of her career since twenty seventeen. In twenty seventeen Sonia Kennan was, you know, eighteen, turning nineteen years old. So since she's really been a full-time pro, this is the low mark and you know, she goes from averaging sixty-nine percent of her first serves go in last year. She's at a sixty-two uh three percent clip this year, her first serve win percentage down four percent, her second serve win percentage down two percent as a returner she's held steady and i think moving forward that is going to be sonia kennan's bread and butter i mean she gets a clean look at every return and no yeah. she's what's so exciting about sonia kennan's game is she is one of the outliers she plays her game is not power based her game is precision her game is mm-hmm. angles her game is variety it's a really really fun contrast to the rest of the styles we see emerging in what seems like the 2020 style of play and in wilmington and she is mentally a rock, and she's not the most explosive mover, but she anticipates so well. And she, I would say she's a good mover across surfaces. Is that fair, David? Not an exceptional yeah. one, but a good mover. It's never going to be in.
1: When I think of that anticipation, I, I think of her against uh, Kvitová and Roland Garros. Uh, exactly. Last
0: year. Exactly. I- and so, you know, I disagree with you. I actually think her variety is going to play well on clay throughout the course of her career. And I just think across surfaces it's going to play well on grass as well because of how many returns she puts in play. And just, you know, again, how tough she playing first shots just in that first pass, how good she is at that and how important that is on a grass court changing direction as well. And so I think her she's going to be good across surfaces for a long time. I think she is going to be a staple of the top 20. I, does yeah. she have the weapons, though? Like, with all of these young players. Like, if I tell you at their very best, who do you, who do you think has a higher ceiling? Sonia Kennan, who has won a freaking Grand Slam, it's worth remembering, or Marta Kostiuk?
1: I would say Kennan.
0: See, this is why I like having you on. I don't know if I can say that, because— there are times when, as well as Kennan plays, I mean, she was so worn down physically in that French Open final against Svantec, so I almost feel bad bringing that up as a reference, but Svantec worked her because the, the match was just on her racket, and it's just felt like at different points this season, Kennan's really had difficulties creating chances to attack. And again, part of that is the serving struggles, and the serve is the most correctable thing in a game, so if that's where you're struggling, that is, I suppose, not horribly moving forward. And again, Grand Slam champion. She was also outstanding. I can't emphasize that enough. 2019, she goes 49 and 23. That's a ridiculous year. That was the, you yeah. know, I did a podcast at the end of 2018, uh, and I named, I was like, I think, or I think it was, Kyle, or at the end of 2019, excuse me. And I was like, for me, I think Kennan's about to have a breakout 2020. I was like, I think she was my third best American. It was her, Colin, Serena, in 2019 were my three best American women. And she delivered in 2020. Like, she can, She she was the best player she's ever been in 2018, only to be surpassed by how good she was in 2019, only to be surpassed with how good she was in 2020. After that much continued linear progression, eventually, if not a step backwards, there's just going to be a hold. And this year was more a step backwards than a holding pattern for Kennan, which is a bit concerning. And just again, some of the physical – some of the concerns I have have more to do with how physically gifted some of these young players coming up the rankings are. Like on the wrong day, even if Kennan brings her best stuff, Elena Robachna is just going to hit through everything. And so like – that's a tough but matchup does, for Kennan.
1: But does Rebakina have the consistency to do it?
0: No, that's that's what makes Kennan so fun, is she is going to be in every match she plays by virtue of her game style. I agree with you there 100%. And,
1: and yeah, you mentioned the French Open final. I just want to say in terms of that, there is not a player on on tour that I think would have beaten Swiatek uh, that day. I think that she, that was the most dominant slam run I've seen since uh, from the women's side since the 2014 U.S. Open.
0: Yeah. it's Again, you're absolutely right. And it's worth noting, Kennan was gassed, gassed in that final. He had heavy wrap around the thigh at that point. I don't know. I guess all of this is to say, I think Kenan's going to be... I, You know, I already said it. I think she's going to be really good for a really long time. Now, you know... Her absence at this particular U.S. Open, I don't think it's going to be felt as notably as it would have been felt last season just because it does feel like there are 40 top 20 players right now on the WTA Tour. And if Barty's number one and by virtue of her hardcore results over the past two seasons, you know, Naomi Osaka's number two or number one B, I mean – and you can push back if you want there, David, although I suppose it's not the topic of today's show, but like – She won the Australian Open with ease. She won the U.S. Open with ease. She has to be on your short list.
1: Yeah. uh, We have that article uh, coming out where I give Barty Osaka – In terms of the U.S. Open, the draw actually just came out too, so...
0: The um, U.S. Open men's and women's draws have come out as we're recording this?
1: As we're recording this, so a lot of, you know, who's the actual favorite is going to come down to the draw, which Uh, I haven't looked
0: at. That is fascinating to note. I will be looking at that as soon as we are done with this podcast, but... Um, no, I, again, I guess what I'm trying to say is, A, how much will Kennan's, pre- la- I suppose, lack of appearance at this U.S. Open be felt, in your opinion, in the field? And B, mm-hmm. is yeah. Kennan your leader in the clubhouse as we move towards the rest of the decade?
1: No, Kennan is definitely not my leader in the clubhouse. Interesting. Um, and so, I, in terms of, wait, are you talking about in terms of everyone or in terms yeah. of? In terms of U.S.
0: American women, American okay. women,
1: American women. Now, uh, so, well, yes,
0: well, well. No, let's get yes, there then. I, let's I, go there so, next. I, I do want to go. Sorry, go oh, ahead.
1: Oh no, I was just gonna say my leader in the club S is still Sloane Stephens.
0: Okay, of course it is. Okay, so. I mean, I guess then with – so I, I, that's probably a pretty good place to leave the Kenan conversation. Let's just get into that question right now as we move into this next decade of American women's tennis. And I suppose it's not the 2020 – I guess we're talking state of the American tennis entering now. So I'll frame the question like this. In David Gertler's mind, who is the best American women right now on tour? Um,
1: Serena.
0: Still, Serena. You think Serena is the best American woman right now on tour?
1: It can't be Coco Gauff. We saw what happened against Georgie. Uh, she directed all the balls to the forehand. That forehand's too bad to be uh, the top to be uh, the top player. Brady has cooled off, she, now she's injured. I mean, I guess that doesn't affect so much the future. Um, but I, Brady's not nearly as dominant now as she was at this time last year, um, or at the Australian Open. Pagula. Is solid, but I don't think she's going to make it to the top of the game. Anne Lee is someone to keep in mind. Um, Anne Lee is actually someone who, and Claire Lou, Both of them are two youngsters that I'm very high on. Um We saw what Anne Lee could did at the uh, in Australia this uh, in in February, and it was really impressive. And her grand strokes are her bring are based. All right,
0: I, I'm going to cut you off. I say this lovingly. Sometimes you do this, David, and I love you very much for doing this. I don't know why you write off Coco Goth just because other people are such Goth fans. Like, you are just willing to write off what has been. I think there are three cases to make you can make the co- case for Goth. You can make the case for Pegula, and the name you left out there that I think is going to be the name you end up picking in this equation is Danielle Collins. Yeah. You can argue those are the three players, in my opinion, on the American side with the three biggest peaks, and I'm just going to make the case for it real quick uh, here now. You look for Coco Goff unequivocally a step forward for her here this season obviously the big result she wins her second career wta title in parma on the clay you look for her overall here in this 2021 season 34 and 14 david 71% win percentage she's top 30 in both hold and break percentage amongst top 50 players you look at her, for her quarterfinals at Roland Garros she also makes round of 16 at Wimbledon she loses second round to Svitolina at the Australian Open but I suppose at a very least hold seed there you look for her record against opponents 13 and 9 against the top 50 6 and 5 against the top 20 2 and 3 against the top 10 She's also of all of the American players the wins leader this season. She's got 31. Collins has 29. Uh, excuse me, she's tied with Pagula. They both have 31. Collins has uh 29. You move now to uh Danielle Collins. I think she's had the highest peak probably of any yes. of the players here her, in. Tw- did on. you see
1: her- Against uh, Stevens and San Jose?
0: Yeah, it was crazy. That I mean, or how about Robachna the next day? Or Konya the next day? The 0-2 over on Konya might have been her most impressive win of that run. But the,
1: when, but the thing about that match against Stevens was Steve, Sloane Stevens played was playing out of her mind, too. They both were. It was classic counter-punching versus just... Collins, it seemed like he was redlining, but she was making everything. It was crazy. No she, pl- she
0: pl- no, she played outstanding tennis. You look for Danielle Collins, 29-11, 73% win percentage. You look for her, obviously, the title in Palermo, the title in San Jose. She also made a semifinal in Budapest uh, over that three-week span. She's made third-round Roland Garros, second round at both Wimbledon and the Australian Open. You look at her record against ranked opponents Thus far, this season, she is seven and seven against the top fifty, four and four against the top twenty. 2-2 two two against the top 10. So metrics pretty similar to Coco Goff's. Of course, the breakout star is probably Jessica Pegula, 32-16 and 16 here this season. She does not have a title, but she's made the biggest runs at the biggest events. Semifinals, Doha. Quarterfinals, this Dubai. This season, yes. Quarterfinals, yeah. Rome. Uh, she made quor- uh, semifinals, excuse me, of Montreal. She made third round, Roland Garros. Second round, Wimbledon. Quarterfinals of the Australian Olympics open you break it down in terms of the results she's played uh by ranking against top 50 opponents 16 and 12 against top 20 opponents eight and nine against top 10 opponents she's six and six although it feels worth noting four of those six wins over karolina pliskova those are the three names I will hear right now. Uh, respectfully, I don't think we can say Serena's peak uh, this season is better than any. of Like, has she had a single result better than yeah. any of those three players? I don't think so.
1: I will correct myself because I have all the players that are in front of me. And for some reason, I totally skipped over Danielle Collins. Um, so so yeah. is she your answer? So she's my answer, not only for who's the best right now, but who's the best in the future. Um, and so that's what I'm going to say because she doesn't have a weakness like Ah. She has she's much solider she's much more solid from both wings. David, Her you know Goff.
0: You know Goff is 17.
1: Yeah, but you know, she look at the cap what happened to Capriati
0: in terms of <laughs> okay i just i don't think that's fair because a what does coco golf do at an elite level already and that's win on points on her first serve that first serve is elite already it's only going to get better moving forward as she continues to develop physically as she continues to get better serving two spots which she can already do whether it's t whether it's slice out wide whether it's kick out wide on the ad she's got all of the tools there the backhand is exceptional Her ability to move forward. I'll give her that. Yeah, her ability to move forward, particularly at her age. Not only does she know where to go and what to do as a vollier, which is 90% of the battle, but I think we both agree she looks like a comfortable vollier as well from a technique standpoint. Her willingness to move forward, her double success being a testament to that fact. She's an outstanding vollier for a player her age. And then, of course, you look at the advanced metrics, David. Coco Goff, 12th in uh, 2021 ELO. 12th in overall elo you look in the race to the year-end finals right now coco Goff currently i believe sitting i want to say it's yeah currently in ninth in the race to the year-end finals she's the leader by the way in terms of points accumulated this season Goff is ninth pagula's 10th bravey 17th of course helps to make an australian open final danielle collins is 20th like again Brady's was a bit flash in the pan, so I think we do agree. It's three yeah. names right now, and all three of these names, I think, when they play their best tennis have been top 15 players this year, which yeah. to have three players in the top 15 mix speaks to the depth right now in American te- women's tennis. But
1: but I would also say that there's no player right now. We, there's great depth. There's no, player, there's no top player right now that is contending for slams.
0: So I will agree with you there. But then get back to why I disagree with you. You are right. Right now, there is no sure thing where you can say this American is absolutely in the mix. If they play their best tennis, they're going to win the 2021 U.S. Open. You do have a couple of bites at the apple. And I think moving forward, when she turns, I don't know, 20 years old in, I don't know, three seasons from now, that Coco Golf will be one of those players in American women's tennis. And I think there will be a couple of them. And we'll get into the depth in a second. But. I think moving forward, it's Coco Gauff. If you do want to say right now here in 2021 the the highest peak of any individual American women on tour is Danielle Collins, I don't know if I can disagree with that. Because you're right. The power Tennis Collins is playing with when she is clicking, she just hits through anyone and there's no fear and there's no glaring technical hitch or anything. The backswing like the golf forehands, not that, you know, she's concise. She doesn't move exceptionally well, but she's usually on her front foot. So it doesn't matter. And there's just an it factor to Danielle Collins. If you told me she ripped off
1: her attitude, though, I'll say that.
0: Yeah, but but you but it helps her win. Can you acknowledge yes, that? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. if I told you, because we've seen her make a Grand Slam semifinal before, that she ripped off a run like that in New York, I agree. I think that's the most believable. So if you mm-hmm. want to say she's the best right now, that's fair. But you can't tell me, David, that you really don't think Koko Has, the one best suited for this decade of American have you women's tennis.
1: Seen, I'll say this. Have you seen any improvement in her forehand?
0: Yes, I have. Yeah. I have. You don't get to ninth in the year-end race if you have a glaring weakness. You just don't.
1: Hey. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I personally, I don't see it for her, but I understand the argument. I know her backhand is definitely a top 10 backhand in the world. Um, she is great mentally, mentally tough. Um, she, and she is good, like you said, she is good at the net. And so those are definitely things that can make her hang out in the top 20 for a while. And when you're in the top 20, you're seated for slams. You're putting yourself in positions where you can go on a deeper run. Um, And so, yeah, it would not surprise me if she made the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open this year. Do I think she can win it this year with her forehand? No.
0: I, that is a fair assessment. I will say the other thing that we don't talk about enough here uh, when we talk about Coco Goff, she has gotten better physically. Like she is faster. She is stronger. And she's a better athlete than she was even a season ago. And that's scary because that's never been an issue for her since she was 15 and played her first WTA match. And just, again, I, I think the upside's immense. I think she's a sure thing. I will be surprised if she leaves this decade without one Grand Slam title. Now, I'm not saying she's going to win 10, but I will be surprised if she doesn't win one Grand Slam title over the next 10 years in women's tennis. But, of course, again, I mentioned this at the top, 16 Americans right now in the top 100 of mm-hmm. the WTA singles ranking. That's where I want to go next, just talking about the depth we see right now in American women's tennis. Uh, of course, um, the majority of them are going to be playing – in new york uh but you want to you want to play a guessing game you want to see how many of the 16 you can guess inside the top 100 well,
1: i've had the list in front of me in fine. uh oh, okay uh, so that i can just go I can th- put it away and try
0: <laughs> no I, i'll just rip through them then real okay. quick kenan number five brady 14 serena 22 Goff 23 pegula 25 collins 28 by the way six so 20 percent of the top tw- uh 30 is american that's can, not too bad, David.
1: To say, how is Allison Riss still thirty-five? Uh,
0: your mouth to God's ears. I have no idea. That's a great question. But she is number thirty-five. Madison Keys forty-one. And by the way, we're waiting for Madison Keys to resume playing her best tennis again. Oh, we t- all know what she's capable of.
1: She's playing Sloane Stephens in the first round of the U.S. Open. Are you serious? Yeah, that, that'll be. Oh,
0: that is. <laughs> juicy juicy stuff okay god you know what makes me sad is that i'm not even excited anymore that you said the draws are out all i can think is god damn it like i have so much work to do now um but keys 41 shelby rogers madison keys for that rogers is right behind keys at 42 that's honestly pretty funny because there's a lot of similarities there sloan stevens david's best player in the world right now number 64 the <laughs> yeah. always talented and sorry go ahead
1: no, so the thing about Sloane Stevens, and I do talk about her in that article um, that we're y'all y'all are going to post, uh, is that at her peak, when she's playing her best, she can absolutely win this slam. Um, she can win sl- another slam. when she, If she can put together a form like she did against Collins in San Jose, even though she lost that match, I, I really— I'm high I'm high on her. I'm much
0: higher than most, I think. CT Pos versus Andy Murray round 1. Are you serious? Sorry, not that I'm not listening to you, but oh my god.
1: Yeah. It's it's always uh, they always I mean because they're behind closed doors, you always you have to wonder about things like that and the Keys versus Stevens and those type of matches.
0: Oh, you know what the real match of round 1 is? Burrell versus Tawson. That is a match, David. That Claire, is a match.
1: Claire Tossin's another one of those players for the
0: future. Oh, uh, for versus Oh All right. I, I got to put this away. Sorry. Stay on task here. But no. Look. Georgie plays Halleck? That's yeah, a good one. We'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. We'll get okay. there. That's a separate podcast. Separate preview podcast. All of you listeners <laughs> can expect that later. Point being, Sloan Stevens, 64. Ann Lee, Severely underrated. We don't talk enough about her 21-year-old, the linear progress. She's made up the rankings. It's not the huge jump of a golf or you know some of these other sure things. It feels like we've seen Sviantak and just all these players who have jumped up at such a young age, but – I mean, she has been absolutely on fire this season. Of course, Amanda Nisimova, who we've seen in a Slam semifinal, currently at 73. You've got Brangle, 76, Para, 84, Lauren Davis, 97, and then one of the best stories of uh, 2021, Claire Liu, who Junior Slam champion raced up into the top 150 by the time she was like 15 excuse me 19 years old then struggled a little bit at that level now seems to have found her footing once again she's into the top 100 for the first time 16 women David what do you make of the depth right now in American women's tennis
1: yeah as I mentioned before Ann Lee and Claire Lou are two names that uh when I was uh forgetting Danielle Collins I was mentioning Ann Lee and Claire Lou I love Ann Lee's backhand I love that she is and talk about it, We talked about Ken being precise. I feel like, uh, Ann Lee is another one that can just put the ball in the smallest window. She kind of has a WTA title already. Her final against, uh, in that in the Grampians trophy pre Australian open was not even played. So they both shared the title there. Um, I'm really excited about her. Claire Lou has been the name around for a little while, but this season, she's really coming into her own a little bit. Um, She's sitting right in there at a hundred in the world. Uh, Amanda and Mover, I think in a previous con, uh, in the previous, uh, podcast, I called her a sleeping giant. Um, she's made a grand slam semifinal. She's when she's playing well, she can dominate from the baseline. I don't know. She's had a lot going on in her personal life. Uh, I, I just don't know if she'll get back to where she was. Um, but she has plenty of time, of course. Uh, yeah, it was, and I mean, those are three name, young names that stand out to me. Um, I don't trust Bernarda Parra mentally to hang in there. She collapses a lot. Um, outside of the top one hundred, uh, Katie McNally is someone else to keep an eye on. Uh, what are you? Th- what are you thinking?
0: Well, I now looked at the draw, and it, I'm just Brooksby is going to end up making the fourth round and playing Djokovic, and he's going to beat him, and that's the story we all need in our oh, lives. Who, so, looking forward to that one. No, there's a Fritz Demianauer first round match that is spicy. But again, no. To your Brooksby, point, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, Brooksby, that'll be a tough Mikhail. I mean, Ymir is playing. Emer uh, is playing well, and. Uh, in uh, Winston Salem, uh, this he played well. So I mean, I don't, I don't even. It'll be interesting to see how he does in best of five if he's able to hang in there physically. Like, is it best of five in the heat and humidity? He plays a very physical style against a physical player like Eimer. Y- That'll be interesting to see. But anyway, no. sorry, a tangent.
0: No, that match is never going to end. But to your point. That's also what's notable is the name outside the top 100s right now for the American women is that you have Katie McNally at number 134. You have someone like CeCe Bellis, if she's ever healthy. We know she's a top 50 player. Uh, You have Haley Baptiste, 19 years old, 181. Really
1: impressive player.
0: Yeah, Francesca DeLorenzo has been rock solid, 24 years old, 184. Caroline Dollehyde, Jamie Loeb, Katie Volleynett's another young one. Jamie Loeb
1: has been very impressive this summer.
0: Sigway and Alicia Parks, two 19, 20-year-olds who are super, super talented, Hannah Chang and Emma Navarro, Katerina Scott, Robin Montgomery, uh, who, um, Ashlyn Kruger who just won and is going to be super impressive if she plays her best tennis in New York. There is so much depth in American women's tennis right now. Absolutely. And there are other names we haven't talked about. People like Christiane and Christina McHale, who are still both rock solid. And Coco Vandeweghe. if she gets healthy, David, she's a top 100 player. And so there's just so much depth right now in the field now the question I ask you as we relate this to New York how many of these players that we see competing at the 2021 U.S. Open are capable of making the second week and then maybe even making a run within the second week how many players do you see and I know the draw has just come out I'm not asking you to examine it from that perspective but from a level standpoint if they play their best tennis how many American women can currently make the second week
1: um, well, it depends on Brady's injury history, but because she uh, retired um, <laughs> when she played off recently, but uh, if she's healthy, I would say Brady, Goff, Pagula, Collins, if they play well, either Keys or Stevens, whoever wins that one, uh, Shelby Rogers, has, she had a great U.S. Open last year, um, and that would be that would be the players I would say could make the second week.
0: What yeah. do you think? I mean, the three we mentioned, Pegula, Collins, uh, and Goff, for sure, all on the list. I think Keys belongs on the list, as does Sloan. And I would put the, you know, they play in the first round, so that's perfect. I think one of them can absolutely do it, just the pedigree. Sloan's played really well this year. Like, I, I didn't mean to write off your point. I like making fun of you that your take was ridiculous, calling her the best woman in American women's tennis right when, now.
1: But When she plays her best, she is. You're I, wrong.
0: Uh, Look, it, everyone's wrong about some things. It's okay. Um, I've been wrong about plenty of things. Uh, but no, she, you're, to your point, she has played better this year than she has since 2019, maybe even 2018. Like she actually, I agree with you. She, she, It's clicking again, which is scary because she's still only 28 years old. But I would say the winner of that match, absolutely. I honestly think Shelby Rogers can do it. Like we saw her do it last year. There's no yeah. reason she can't. And then of all of the other ones, Ann Lee's really good, Claire's really good, but Anisimova. I mean, when Anisimova's power of tennis is clicking, like I, I do think we have six players legitimately capable. So if I let me see, Anisimova there, sloaner Madison.
1: Anisimova to keep it together, though. The thing about like she just played in Chicago Challenger, she lost the set to Parisas Diaz, and then lost and then retired in the then when she was down big in the third set to Nehemiah.
0: I think she's a big match performer. I think she's going to be better in New York than she will be in Chicago. And I agree with you. It's tough to see. Can she do it two matches in a row, let alone three or four, or, you know, God for God willing, the five you need to make a run to the semifinals of this event. I don't know about that. But I think she's got the talent to do it. Absolutely. And so she is on my list of Americans who can make the second week. And you throw Jen Brady on there, who you're right, we don't know about her health. But that's seven, eight bites at the apple now. Not all of them are going to make it. But that speaks to once again the depth we have in American women's tennis. And I, I guess I will ask you who you think goes furthest at this US Open? Which American women and do you think we get any to the second week ultimately?
1: I definitely do. Um I think that uh, Coco has a good shot. Um again, I'm not looking at the draws very closely. So I you know, she could have um Someone, you know, she could have a bunch of stumbling blocks, but purely based on level and form, I think Coco has a shot, I think uh, Sloan has a shot, and I think Danielle Collins has. I think those three are the best shots.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, so, again, all the names we've turned to, um, I agree, a healthy Brady. I mean, semifinals of New York last year, finals in Australia this year. It's a hard court slam. If she's healthy, she is capable of bringing but the good. She goods. looked really
1: rough against panko in terms of her, I think it was her knee. Like she could barely mm-hmm. move. It was, I, that's why I'm very hesitant about her.
0: Oh, completely fair. So, with all that said, a couple rapid fires here down the home stretch just about the Do state it. of American women's tennis, where we're at entering this 2021 U.S. Open. How many, uh, I guess. Of the current players we have in American women's tennis, so I can include bid Montgomery if you want to include Katerina Scott, that group as well. Go for it. How okay. many players currently in this group, regardless of what they've done in the past, will win slams in the 2020 decade? Have Is the number greater than zero? Is the number – yeah. Will America, American – will we have more than one – will we have more than zero American women winning slams over the next By 10 By
1: 2030. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh man, do you want me to name the person? I think we always. It's hard to say who. I would say the best chance. I. Coco. I. Coco or uh, Sloan Stevens. Or Collins. uh, Collins. The same. The same three I named before. Uh, I would.
0: I would say Coco. I would still throw Kenan on that list. I still would have to throw Anisimova on that list just because the power tennis she's capable of playing is certainly, certainly impressive. I don't think Ann Lee's quite on that list. Not I'm, yet. I'm not ready to go there with Kruger or Scott or Montgomery.
1: I think that Scott, Scott. I saw her play Lauren Davis uh, recently in Concord. She was good. Um, I, I think she has a higher upside than uh,
0: Montgomery. To be you No, know, Cass Scott is really, really good. I agree with you there. Um, I mean, I think the answer is yes. I think we have more than zero American women. I think it's going to be Coco Gauff. I think we're going to have Kennan get another bite at the apple as well. And I agree. It could be a Collins. It could be someone like an Ann Lee or an Anisimova on the right week, just having a big run at a Grand mm-hmm. Slam over the next 10 years. So I do think we're going to get a tight couple of bites at the apple. You um, mentioned players. Collins has made a Grand Slam semifinal before. Uh, exactly. She's done it.
1: And she was in a first set tiebreak against Kvitova. If she wins that tiebreak, she might be a finalist.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And so, again, she is going to be in the mix now. Of all of the Americans we see in the draw, uh, who is the most dangerous seed? Who's the one I we sort of answered this? Are you going to go with Brady? Are you going to go like if they which American if they play their best will have the best result
1: of the seeded players?
0: Yeah,
1: uh, Collins. Fair answer.
0: You know what? I'm going to agree with you there. I'm going to go Danielle Collins as well. Uh,
1: Finally, we have some agreement. I hate how much we've disagreed this podcast.
0: Yeah, exactly. Down the home stretch. All right. Most dangerous youngster in the draw. We're excluding Goff from that conversation. So is it McNally? Is it McNally, Baptiste, Lee, uh, Anisimova? Who are you going with?
1: Um,. I believe McNally is a first, tough first round opponent. Um, she's playing Pliskova, so she's out. Um, <laughs> I would say, of the Americans, the t- youngster and, we, and No Goth. That's a tough one. Um, who does Ann Lee play? Um, uh, I like
0: this cheating with. If there, if you didn't see the draw, would you have taken Ann Lee?
1: If I didn't see the draw, I would take Ann Lee. Although, you know what? I, You know what I don't like about Ann Lee recently? Uh, She's now me. both. She played in the Chicago Challenger and she played in the Chicago uh, Inter- International Event or whatever they're calling it. The 250 nowadays. Um, she won in both matches. She won first set tie breaks and then physically started to follow. Or she fell apart in the second set. I think in the two... Or sorry, she lost against Tossin in a tight first set tiebreak, and she won against Cornet uh, in a first set tiebreak. But I didn't like how she played in the second set and throughout the rest of those matches in terms of she was not able to sustain that level of play. But with that said, of the youngsters, I would say Nisimova early, and I'll give it to Nisimova because of her pedigree and slams already um, and because I trust her physically more.
0: You know the winner of Key Stevens plays the winner of Goff and Magda Oh, man. You know what? I'm kind of hoping for a Goff uh, Stevens so we can – me
1: versus you. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, Yastremska Kerber, that's a fun one too. Um, no, I would say of all the dangerous youngsters, I'm going to go Haley Baptiste. I just think her game's really developed. She's got pro weapons for sure, and you look at her section of the draw, Xue Zhang first, then would potentially face off against Jennifer Brady or a qualifier, given we don't know Brady's health. It's not a bad draw. I mean, Claire Liu's got Sue C first. If she wins, she'd play the winner of Mukava Sereba's Tormo, which is a brutal first-round matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I- I'm going to go Baptiste by virtue of the draw. Had it not been that, I would have picked Anisimova as well. I just, the weapons, the pedigree, I agree with you. Her best tennis is still outstanding. Mm-hmm. That Miami match she lost to Andrescu was one of my favorite matches of the season. Um,
1: in terms of Mukova, uh, her her health is also in question. She retired against uh, Benchich, uh, who I thought Benchich was ready to be. Like the woman of the summer. And then as soon as I, I tweeted that, and of course, as soon as I tweeted that, she fell apart against Tykman. But it'll be interesting to see what Benchich uh, does. Uh, did
0: she fall apart against Tykman, or did Tykman just play really, really well?
1: Well, I'll say this Benchich against Mukova was almost unplayable.
0: <laughs> That's. And
1: so I, you know, so based on her level in that match, I would say she fell apart. But I would also say Tykman
0: was really good, too. I uh, I was talking with Gil Gross, our friend, and I compared Kaya Yuvan's game to Belinda Bencic. I just think sea ball, hit ball big, and the way they strike the ball is so beautiful. Um, but, no, I agree. And Bencic's got a lot of points to defend here in the fall, David, with this U.S. Open. She was semifinalist 2019. Indian Wells coming up as well. So I'm expecting to see good Bencic here in New York. But, of course, again, Final question to you uh, here, and you've sort of answered it already, so I shouldn't have asked it as early as I did, but I'll give you one chance at a final answer. Which American woman goes the farthest in singles at the 2021 U.S. Open?
1: Oh, man. That's a tough one because now I know that Golf and Stevens are playing potentially playing each other. Oh, man. And then – Let's see. I would say that Danielle Collins is also has to play Sabalenka in the third round.
0: Oh man. I was going to not look at the draw and say that, but now you've said it out loud.
1: Ah, uh, I would You know what I'm going to say,
0: Stevens? Yeah.
1: Oh, you know what? Yeah, Stevens.
0: Cuz I'm pretty sure fourth round she then get Goff, right? Or uh, Osaka, excuse me.
1: Uh who?
0: I think Stevens, that section ends up with Osaka, right? They're in the Osaka section of the tournament.
1: Yeah, and it's it's hard to say with Naomi because we, you know, she looked, she lost. Yeah, but
0: kind of I think we both agree if Naomi gets to that stage of the tournament, you don't want any part of her.
1: But where, what other, you know, Shelby Rogers would have to play Barty in the third round. Um,
0: yeah, it's tough.
1: They would have to play Cerebus Tormo or Mukova Man. Van De would have to play Benches in the second round. Pagula I would have to play Benches in the third round. There's just not a lot of I hate to say it, there's not a lot of options, you know, and I would have to play Pliskova in the second round. Um I just yeah. don't know where we're gonna see anybody go for so I maybe it is fourth round the farthest we're gonna see a player go.
0: No, um, it, it's going to be a tricky one for sure. I would say – I'm going to go golf. I'm just going to stick with golf. I've been pro-golf all podcast long. I'll stick with the theme. You, if you want to take Sloan, that match then is a proxy, me versus you. And do you
1: know, wanna, and you want to know why I'm going to take Sloan in that match? Give it Loan. to me. It happens, which it'll probably be uh, – they'll probably definitely be Madison Keys. I definitely will not <laughs> – based on my track record where – the, the other day, I was... You text me about eating.
0: Kovacevic, and then he wins. Oh, that was yeah. fantastic. I'll tell you
1: what, though, and, and, and this is a side note. Kovacevic, if he does not improve his backhand, is going to be nowhere near the ATP tour. That backhand is one of the... It's not going to cut it at the challenger level, um, in the, especially on slower surfaces. Anyways... Um, I don't know if you agree with – you probably disagree with that. but I don't um,
0: disagree. I don't agree to the extent. I don't think it can't compete. I agree he needs to work on his variety because it's very one speed. But I do um, like the fact that he can hit it at that speed.
1: Yeah. I would um, – his forehand and serve there are, are really impressive. Uh, his serve – he serves so well yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um and so, he's a lot of potential there. Um, what was the question originally? I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. So Are you that. going
0: with Danielle Collins? You're going with Sloane Stevens to go the furthest in the tournament. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and that's only because, and I, I think that against golf, she's going to exploit the forehand, which I've been talking about a lot. And I see her going to the fourth round, probably lose to Osaka. I would have loved to put Danielle Collins in there. You know what? I'm going to change my mind. I know I've been flip-flopping a lot. I'm sorry, uh, everyone. Um, I'm going to say Daniel Collins upsets Sabalenka. It It makes a big run here.
0: I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Well, again, of course, uh, so much uh again so much content more uh coming down the line from you david over the course of this u.s open as you referred to we are going to have previews and now that the draws are out we should be able to get those out quickly to you of all the first round action our crack records panel answering our five most important questions heading into the 2021 u.s open on both the men's and women's side of course we've had tons of preview podcasts covering this tournament from each and every aspect here on the great shot podcast we're going to get you back on for one more david with damian coos that's either going to be tomorrow night or saturday morning recapping qualifying but i'm sure you've got some other things planned beyond just our outline so what can we expect from you over the next couple of weeks
1: um one of these i already have written an article on whether joke should be the favorite for the men's i'm sure that will i'm sure i'm sure if i were to tweet it there would be a lot of people in my comments section and uh with perhaps some negativity, um, but, but uh, uh, that article I uh, took me a long time. It's a long one, but I it's interesting. I talk about Zverev um, and uh, Medvedev and and how they you know how they would match up. What if they should be the favorites? It's, you know, I'm not going to reveal what I say. Uh, you <laughs> have to read the article yourself. That but I enjoyed writing that one. Um, Medvedev and Zverev are certainly two players on the men's side that are. Uh, are the two people right below novak or at the same level as novak depending on how you see it um and then yeah coming up this next week i'll probably write a bunch more articles and i'm sure i'll make some horrible predictions
0: that's good no as long as you know in advance but yeah where are you i i guess i'll ask you quickly give me your picks men's women's right now where do you stand
1: Oh man. I'm not gonna reveal the men's because I don't want to spoil my article. So uh, that's
0: the crux of the article. Perfect. But yeah, give me the women's.
1: In terms of the in terms of the women's, it's I don't trust Osaka mentally right now.
0: So I'm gonna go with
1: Barty. Okay.
0: Okay. That's what there.
1: do you think? Because it's between those two in my mind. Those are by far the two I think they've separated which we haven't had people since Serena really separate themselves in the pack like that. Um Those are the two that have done
0: it. You know what I'll say to that? I will say you should go listen to our top five contenders podcast we've done with Jeff Sackman and Gil Gross, where I answer both of those questions in depth, David, in depth uh, about who I think are the favorites. But the answer to the short list I have Barty right now. But if Osaka makes the second week, she's my favorite. Um, But I have Barty right now. I mean, Osaka
1: can draw.
0: I don't even want to say his name because I don't want to get into it right now. Because if we do this, if we open up this Zero can of worms. I've got like 20 minutes in me on part two, Ben's article for Slate, if you haven't read it, which it's such a powerful piece. If he plays the U.S. Open and he's unaffected, which I don't know how one could be. He
1: was, you know, the week of Ben's article, he made the final that week. So clearly, even, you know, if the allegations are true, uh... Even when he was hitting her, her, he was unaffected. So I would expect him to be unaffected
0: this week. I, I just think his best is better than anyone else's, and that includes better Djokovic better. right now.
1: Because remember what happened in Paris last year? If Zverev was dominating, then Medvedev shut him down. No, I, um, I. Djokovic could shut him down too.
0: If Zverev plays his best, if we've learned over the past two weeks on a hard court, it's better than Medvedev's. It's as good as Djokovic's. Now, we didn't get to see Djokovic play his best three out of five yet. Um, we'll see if he has that gear in him, but those are the ways I'm leaning. I agree. I, the shortlist is three names, and I think it's going to be one of only four people. Tsitsipas, it goes. Djokovic, ugh. Go listen to the podcast. You know what? Actually, I'm going to leave that there as well. But David, as always, we appreciate having you on the show here to chat about the state of American women's tennis. And I'm sure, again, we'll talk to you as soon as qualifying is done. So don't be a stranger hey, thank here.
1: thank you so much for having me. I'm so sorry about the dog barking at the beginning. Oh, I, yeah, and she, she never barks anymore. So I don't know what happened. She
0: heard your horrible Sloan Stevens take was coming and she's like, don't do it, David.
1: Let's hope that their ex doesn't get evicted
0: tonight, but it's coming. Oh, he's out for sure. But David, thank you as always for joining the show. We will talk to you again soon.
1: Bye. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
0: Hope all of you enjoyed our conversation with David Gertler talking about the state of American women's tennis entering the action in New York. A huge thank you, of course, to David, as always, for taking the time to chat. Apologies that we got distracted midway through the podcast. The draws did come out. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing our live reactions to those draws. But, of course, I think we hit each and every part of the state of American women's tennis. And I think we can all say the state of the union. Very, very good heading into this next decade on the WTA tour, but of course, this is just one, if I want to say the seven different angles we're covering here heading into this 2021 final Grand Slam, of course. If you've missed any of our preview podcasts already, we talked uh men's dark horse candidates with tennis channel producer David Kane. We talked top five women's contenders with tennis abstracts Jeff Sackman, top five men's contender with Monday Match Analysis is Gil Gross. We talked State of the Union on the American men's side with Chris Otto, first time appearance for him on. On the podcast. We're going to talk women's star course with Tumani Carriel, draw previews with Jamie McDonald, qualifying recaps with David and Damien as well. So rest assured, we have you all covered, covering each and every aspect of the year's Final Grand Slam to ensure all of you listeners have all the information you need to enjoy it as you should. Of course, if you miss any of that content, you can find it all. On our website, crackrackets.com, you need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at great shot pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an ending job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Turn of Tennis. Remember, contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800 554 3707 with all of that said for. Our wonderful guests, David Gertler, super producers, Fligner and Westhoff, our friends at Turn On from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And we will see you all later today. Thanks, everyone.